Welcome to the Few Podcast. Never in the field of human contact was so much owed by so many to so few. So you want to become one of the few. You can't skip steps. You have to put one foot in front of the other. Things take time. I have a dream. Have a dream. Hear inspiring stories from the few and learn about what it takes to turn your dreams into a reality. It's a day for all Australians, isn't it? It's a day that brings us all together. Marvellous. Your hosts, Boo and Sean. G'day, Shawnee. Another great episode ahead here on The Few. And I think we've just got to celebrate one of the small wins uh, that we often talk about. Uh, in the last week or so, we made a little listing on the uh, Great Australian Pods uh, website, which was, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Eh, you know, it was uh, unexpected, but uh, it's great to um, great to see so many people giving us, us positive feedback on the conversations and our amazing uh, guests. It's, it's just been brilliant. It's just been brilliant. I was talking to our uh, next guest earlier about, uh, you know, what's what's the difference? Why would you start a podcast with every man and his dog? And I think, you know, the ability for us to make our podcast guest experience uh, special and to help them uh, tell their stories to a broad church has been a, a key part of that. So anyway, no, enough about us, but I just felt, you know, hey, it's nice uh, after doing 20 20- odd uh, podcast to get a little kick like that. So Absolutely. as we say, let's celebrate those small wins. On Today, mate, super, super excited. I met this uh, this guest oh, only last year, actually, but through a very important person uh, who was the former CEO and president of Campbell's Arnott's uh, in this part of the world, the man who was in charge of Tim Tams, which is a big deal. And Lucas is a bit of a rising star, I think. Uh, he's part of the uh, Young Presidents Organization, YPO, which is a global uh, group of um, hard-charging CEOs. Uh, also has a bit of an entrepreneurial journey, which has gone all over the shop, really, uh, but in a good way, uh, as, as many entrepreneurs do, but landed in a, in a very interesting field and an emerging field. Uh, so today, I really want to welcome uh, our guest, Lucas Lexal. How are you, Lucas? Very good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Thanks. And thanks for uh, being the, the, your very first podcast. Mate, yeah, when you, sent, when you sent me the text message and said, hey, what are you doing on Thursday? Do you want to be on a podcast? I thought, I've always thought about doing one. Why not? Mate, there you go. Spoken <laughs> like a true entrepreneur. Always say yes. Throw yourself into the deep end. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've got a philosophy, which is don't be a cunt. You know, always say yes. Be, be a Ken. <laughs> I came on this thinking, you know what? I'm not going to swear. You don't have to. And, and you don't have to. No, that's you right. just say, don't be a cunt. You don't be a cunt. <laughs> so, yeah, one of our previous guests, Patrick Kidd, is probably going to get a mention for the next few podcasts. Certainly uh, set the, the benchmark when it came to, to language and uh, taking a tangent. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Lucas, mate, it's been um, a bit of a journey for you. Uh, you're uh, currently exploring the AI space with your uh, new business that you founded, uh, Provenio, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But what was it that got you into the entrepreneurial stream. It's obviously not something that you learn at school. You don't do a subject in entrepreneurialism. There's there's no uh, higher education around entrepreneur. They try to, I guess, bring out new courses. But what was it that flicked a switch inside your mind and you, you said, you know what, I want to go and put everything at risk, put all my money up and try and figure out how to start my own businesses? Uh, mate, I am um, funny that you say that you know, there's no degree for it because I'm actually not degree qualified at all. I don't even have a year 10 certificate. So, um, didn't Who needs have, them? Didn't have, you know, knew that before Who needs them? I repeated year 12 of high school, mate. <laughs> Just as bad. Maybe as you got two. Um, mate, it was very, you know, sort of young age, um, 
grew up in a very loving family and I wondered dog when I was eight years old. <laughs> Um, As you do, it's like it's like a that's like a life ambition right there. Mate, for, for an eight year old, dogs are great. I'll do that's up there with CEO of a billion dollar <laughs> enterprise when you're eight, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, my parents told me to figure out um, how to pay for it because they couldn't afford it. So, sort of from that age, it, probably the best piece of advice a parent can give a child, isn't it? Mate, at eight, yeah, go um, go figure it out. We can't afford it. <laughs> Basically, that was probably the moment that sort of lit a fire and. Did you get the dog? I did get the dog and unfortunately I had to put the dog down at 12 months old. So I, I do say in, in one hand, my worst investment in my life and in, wow, that's, uh, and on the other hand, it taught me everything about that, business. That's serious. But I assume you had to do something. Did your parents give you the money for the dog? Or no, no, no. To- no, there's a bit of a story there. Um, bit of a long story, but I guess we're on a podcast. Well, hey, you're on a so podcast. The longer yeah, the so better. <laughs> the, my, my father was a um, – both my parents are migrants. Um, my father came over and back in the day he used to um, do an apprenticeship, believe it or not, to become a waiter. Yeah, and, oh, wow. Yeah, so my dad didn't That's, that's high level. Yeah. It's crazy, right? And uh, anyway, he was a waiter at the Hilton um, – and back in the day, you know, a lot of the celebs, Sammy Davis Jr., blah, 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 you know, would go to the Hilton. Anyway, 1986, great year, year I was born. Um, <laughs> great vintage. Mate, great vintage. My father was given a bottle of uh, Dom Perignon 1986 by Sammy Davis Jr. when he found out my dad was so really? happy at work because he was having a kid. Jeez, he must have been a fantastic waiter. Mate, he's a very good waiter. Anyway, most of the Luxiles, whatever we do, we do well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, there was a bottle on the shelf gathering a lot of dust. And as an eight-year-old, I'm like, why do we have – I was always an inquisitive child and I've gone, <laughs> we've got this bottle that's bloody dusty and I know my mother likes to keep the house really clean. Surely it's worth a lot of money. Long story short, it was. Um, she said, if you can figure out a way how to sell it, you can get the dog. So eight-year-old in the paper, see an ad for Christie's. Um, uh. Call up Christie's. They think it's a hoax, an eight-year-old calling – my mum on the phone um, <laughs> and it's actually I'll come back to this because my mum's sort of always been there in my entrepreneurial journey so they wouldn't let an eight year old uh, answering the phone for you <laughs> no, yeah well, well, you should give my son a chance <laughs> well having to be my later I started my first company when I was 17 you can't be a director so my mother was my first director anyway Went down to Christie's, negotiated my auction fee, auctioned my bottle of uh, Dom Perignon 1986. For, I think it was around $320. Jeez, that's a good watch for that. Mate, back in, yeah. you know, what are we talking? So I was eight, I'm 34, so that's 26 well, years. Close enough to 30, mate. 26 well, years ago. I repeated year 12, so yeah. I'm going to be doing maths. <laughs> I was like, I better do my maths career. Yeah, 20, 26 years ago. So, mate, I did, I did, I sold the bottle. Bought the dog my own money. Didn't have enough money to get a pedigree dog. And here's probably a life. Ah. Uh, here's a very good life lesson. And this applies for uh, all business. Pay cheap, pay twice. Yeah, yeah, right? very true, very true. Anything you know, good things are selling. Did the warranty run out at twelve months? Was <laughs> that the problem? Basically, <laughs> couldn't afford the pedigree dog. Yeah, bought the dog and uh, Rottweiler. And then unfortunately, mate, 12, 12 months later, we had to put the dog down because it needed hip surgery. Ah. Uh. Which is a common issue with low, with low cost Rottweilers, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's it is. Yeah. So, mate, that was that started my entrepreneurial journey, and then yeah, through school, um, I just realised school wasn't for me um, because I'm. Uh, There's a lot of structure there. Just what's te- the point? Apart from uh, economics and any financial mathematics. All the rest was uh, basically superfluous, really. Big call though. Hey, Sean, there's that recurring theme again though, right? I didn't want to interrupt uh, Lucas while he was on a roll there, but that curiosity and inquisitiveness that we've seen so much along the way here with 
the few. I think it's also that, um, you know, you said it then looks to, I have to laugh, you know, the, you, you, I did a similar thing with a, I wanted a stereo. It was a, I think it was a, um, it wasn't Sony. It was like, like it was like their high level brand. It was like a higher brand that Sony had or something. And it was like a double tape deck and it was 200 bucks. And I was about the same age as eight or nine and I had to, start going and find it. And then by the time I was 13, I ended up starting a, you know, a car wash in my parents, a parents' front yard when I was four foot tall, driving cars across the park when they were finished. You know, imagine the council now, they'd have a field day. But that, what I hear is the common theme with people that truly just embrace entrepreneurship so young is the fact that the, the school is an inconvenience. You know, same with, yes, I finished year 12, but I, at the start of year, about halfway through, quarter way through year 11, I ended up dropping physics and three in at maths and took up woodwork because I had no interest in the actual schoolwork. And when people were like, I'm going to go to university to get a, a you know, BA and whatever it was, I thought it meant a bachelor of attendance. It <laughs> just showed up. And I'm like, I hate being here. Why do I want to go and sit for another four years listening to people? And that's not how I learn anyway. I learn by doing. So, so many entrepreneurs I've found that it's that, it's a disconnect between the education system and a disconnect with how I guess an entrepreneur is programmed. Um, and I've actually, I mean, I've been on the board of a Montessori school in Sydney for three and a half years in the past. And I'm actually working with some people up here in, uh, in Noosa where I live now to launch another school next year, which is much more entrepreneurial focused. It's actually about teaching the kids those skills, like you said, the how, do, how does the economy work? How does making money work? How does saving money work? How does investing, not paying, as you said, pay cheap, pay twice? Like we don't get taught that. And so- Few adults that could probably benefit that. from that school too, mate, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, it's right. <laughs> Out of it's in, it's learning in, as well. The, so, yeah. the schooling is interesting. Yeah, I think you're on the money there. How, was, you, how did you find, how did your parents deal with that? Because obviously as a migrant family and wanting their son to be, are you just an only child? You got no, no, I got, got an older sister. Okay. Yeah, so, so five years older, yeah. So that, is it, was there pressure to, to stay or your mum was like, look, Son, do what you need to do. Trust your instincts. No, so my my mother and my father um, always supported me wholeheartedly to do whatever I wanted to pursue. But there was one caveat: if you're going to do it, see it through. Yep. So, you know, my I just yeah, I was you know very unhappy. Did not like school. Sort of as per Sean's point, sort of thought it was a bit of a waste of time. Mm. What am I doing here? I'd, let me at it. Mm. Let me at it. I was sort of at a bullet a gate. Um, let's just say if it was a BA um, for attendance, I, I got a NA for non-attendance. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I had about 100 days a year off every year. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, and just wanted to be, you know, researching things about ways of starting businesses and ways of making money. So, you yeah, know, my parents backed me to do it. And the one caveat was whatever you do, stick at it and just do keep it right, going. commit. Yeah, yeah. So what was your first real entrepreneurial venture, like something that generated a profit? So my, yeah, so left school when I was 16 in year 10, worked for my family business with my dad uh, for a year or so and absolutely hated working day to day with my dad. <laughs> so, um, so he obviously made a transition out of being a waiter, did he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So he had um, a contract cleaning business doing like office buildings yep. and um, hospitality, etc. Back in the day, it was actually a a decent business yeah. and worked in that uh, doing sales as a 16 year old, which yeah, wow. you turn up to try and sell, you know, to people that are 40 <laughs> or 50. It was a very interesting. That's a real uh, 
get thrown out of the fire. Yeah, scenario, yeah. into the hot pan. Yeah. Um, signed up a couple of big deals, actually, believe it or not. I think they should have thought, young guy, that persistent. and we'll um, Saving up for a dog, can I have a cleaning deal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it was cars, actually. Now I was like, want to get a new car, can I have a cleaning deal? Um, and... Oh, I actually, my first business was, um, people would know the brand Star Trek Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, back in the day before Star Trek Express, there was something called Messenger Post and I was actually- I remember that. I yeah. saw an ad in the paper. We're starting a new brand. I was contractor number two um, and we ended up having a few vans out in the road. Cool. I was 17 years old and, you know- making, Were you on your P-plates, mate? Mate, I wasn't, I, I wasn't on my P-plates <laughs> making well maybe before the internet. So I was born of an era where, um, you know, 34 people go oh gen y they think you know i've used a fax machine yeah. i did have a mobile phone that did require a two, box, a two, two hands <laughs> you know so i've lived this world between between the two i'm still to this day i don't know if it's you know a what a dial-up tone on the internet that's is. it that's yeah. right ding, 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 ding. <laughs> i still don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing but you know before then uh were you, were you of the era where you did your banking over the phone where you could put the actual keypad the tone generator was a external device that you put onto the uh, the receiver and you beep boop beep through the. Oh, I can't, mate. I can't remember. You, I do remember not quite that off. No, I do remember having to do phone that. phone banking and actually dialing in your password and press one for this account and. <laughs> Mate, how the world has changed. So that, that obviously um, went went okay for you, didn't mate, it? It went that very business? well. Yeah, I was 17 years old and, yeah, making well well into the six figures as a 17-year-old and I thought it was absolutely great. And, you know, most people probably would have been happy, but I've always sort of – it's my greatest strength and my greatest weakness. I'm always get something and I'm like, okay, what next? Yeah. What more? Itch, itch, the old yeah. itch. Yeah. Or otherwise known as squirrel. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. What, what next? Yeah. You know. So um, yeah, when it gets when it when it gets easy, it's gets less fun. Yeah, but yeah, mate, it's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. Whenever you get mastery at, at something, it just gets really boring and dull. So what was the next? <laughs> what was the next journey? Did you did you say, hey, I'm I've uh, been into in the logistics space. I'm going to go and move into another area of logistics and do it better, or did you go? A little bit more tangential. Mate, I went completely off to a tangent. So I had the business up and running. I've always been a car buff my whole life. You're just exactly like Sean, mate. Oh, you're a big car buff, eh, Sean? Yeah, yeah my, my, my son's name is Aston. After oh, wow. Well, there you Martin, go. Behind me That's serious car buff. <laughs> oh, right. There you go. Yeah, I could see that on the screen. Mate, really, really left the field. Um, always wanted to sell cars and thought, yeah, I'm going to go sell cool. cars. Um, so we bought a few vans and whatnot at Toyota believed in a good brand, went and sold cars for a year and yeah, did really well at that. And What's that- the key? What's the trick? So obviously a lot of people think they can sell. What do you, you, you've, you've already sold a bottle of Dom Perignon. You've sold a couple of cleaning contracts. You've grown your accounts with your messenger business and you're now selling cars and you're winning at it. So what... What's the key? It's uh, now, you know, I guess further down in my career, you interview people, you know, that we hire and people go, oh, I don't like sales. And I say to them, that's interesting. So what do you like? And they say, well, I like helping people, finding out a solution to someone's problem and, you know, doing a really great job. And I said, well, that is actually sales. Yeah, exactly so, right. It's so true. You know, so I guess that that's it. You find out what people want, offer them a solution, yeah. do it well, 
be friendly, yep. you know, I'd sort of never burned a bridge, so to speak. Now probably burnt, if anyone hears this, they might say, hey, you burnt a few. Yeah. I have burnt a few. <laughs> that's part of the journey though. <laughs> that's part of the journey. To realise, don't do that. <laughs> um, mate, yeah, that's really it. That, that, so how that learning that sales skill so early on, obviously that literally the, what do they call it? Hawking. You know, being the hawker that knocks on the door yeah, and goes yeah. in and tries to sell something. That's literally like the, the hardest form of selling. Uh, you know, that and picking up the phone and cold call. Cold call I think it's worse than cold calling. Do, how much of what you've got now or you've created now has come from actually getting that fundamental skill of being okay when someone says no, being rejected or whatever, and actually just continuing to move move forward? Like how, how has that helped you since then? But I want to take a step back and it's a bit of a curveball. You probably don't get this on the show every day. I was actually brought up as a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, right. And I actually put all my sales, I'm not anymore, but I actually put all my sales skill down to being a 10-year-old kid, door to door, door knocking. It's amazing. Mate, and standing up in front of a, so as a kid, being a Jehovah's Witness, you give a talk in front of a congregation. Imagine a 10-year-old standing in a lectern. That's great life skill. Mate, so to be honest, it actually started before car sales. So if any, if you could go knock on people's door and get the door slammed in your face, actually I had very good conversion. I never got the door slammed in my face. Um, You know, going to sell cars, I might run out. This is just the next step in, you know, um, perfecting my sales skill. But car sales actually, believe it or not, probably taught me, you know, 90% of the things and the foundation of the rest of my career in that. And when I say that in, in when selling a Toyota, mate, in, in, I, was at, I was in Mossman, yep. you can go buy a Toyota from about 30 other different locations within a one hour drive. So for you to protect your margin, what tactics can you employ or what service can you deliver, you know, to ensure that you get that customer on that visit? Because the moment they walked out the door, they went all your profit and margin. So, um, yeah, they, you know, that taught me a lot of fundamentals in that short. It was a year, but it taught me so much in a year. And then, yeah, sort of to your point, got really good at it. What next? What, what did you used to do? What was it about having people in the showroom that you felt you could offer that little bit of extra value where they stopped thinking, can I save $300 somewhere else? Was there a technique you had or do you feel you just had a genuine, like just a genuine deep-seated belief that you wanted to help someone get the best vehicle that they could? I applied in my whole life, if you're going to do anything, be absolutely the best at it. You know, so whether someone was buying a Yaris or a Sahara, yep. they still got the same treatment. Um, and, you know, been knowledgeable about anything you do, you know, like uh, it's the same thing with, you know, today with AI in terms of believing in our product and what our product offers and, you know, really understanding and been there to solve the end result the client's looking to get or the customer. Um, so if they wanted a Yaris, put them in a Yaris. Don't mm. try and- what, what, I'm, what I'm hearing, Lucas, is it's a, also about actually caring about the person getting that outcome. It's not That's just it. A, yeah. Not just yeah. a, yeah, trust me, it's never been in an accident or, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I didn't um, sell you just for the record. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it clearly shouldn't have been in an accident then. Um, even the ex-demos perhaps hadn't been in an accident. Yeah, don't that, get out of the road because Mick, there's a dodgy bastard. So you've got to stay with me. Yeah, trust yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. yeah look. Yeah. How important is that authenticity in 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 sales and and building you know, relationships with your clients. Yeah, hundred percent. No, that means your whole life. So I've got I'm sort of jumping forward, but I've got a property development business, and we're about to build a block of apartments at Queenscliff. And I've never taken external capital. I've sort of started that business. I'm jumping ahead, but started that business on my own and never taken external equity. Just you know, senior bank finance. You know, the big four. Um, and then I've recently, you know, looking to sort of grow that into some bigger projects. And it's quite funny because you meet 
you know, investors and people go, I want to put capital with you, et cetera. And they all, they've got their little, their little checklist, you know, and they, um, they go, well, what's your hurt money? And I sort of look at them and go, what do you mean? What's my hurt money? Oh, how much are you going to put in? So we know that you've got skin in the game. And I said, mate, I've got more than hurt money in this. I go, I've got my, my reputation. I've been spending 34 years of my life building my name. So I think it's- <laughs> Because the company is your name as well, right? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. yeah, the company is my name, like so. But the, you know, just coming back to your point, it's your reputation and building and actually delivering what you say you're going to do and offering people the best uh, outcome and actually delivering, you know, I'm repeating myself, but delivering what you say you're going to do, believe it or not, very, very rare out there. No, and it's, it's a powerful tool when you, so few people commit to things and deliver. When I left the Air Force and started business, my first business and you would talk to people and you'd leave the room and you'd go, we just did a deal. They just said they're going to do a deal with me. <laughs> And then you'd go back a week later and they're like, what are you talking about? Do, do we even talk about that? I'm like, but, but you said. And it was a, it was a hard journey to, to learn that so many people just say stuff. Oh, mate, it's no- very rare. I mean, that's how I got to know Umit. Um, yeah. I don't know if he told you the story, but yeah. And Umit the, was the, the boss of uh, Arnott, Mr. Tim Tam. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, we, we shook. He bought one of my developments and we, we didn't agree on a Friday contractually, you know, and then we agreed on Saturday morning and shook hands and had a verbal agreement, you know, which is in property at an auction pretty much unheard of. Yeah. The agents thought I was absolutely mad, uh, but, you know, I believed him and shook his hand and that sort of started a friendship four years ago. Yeah. And yeah, so that's very rare people doing what they say they're going to do. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, and key to success as an entrepreneur. But look, your, your journey, Lucas, you've been an entrepreneur, then you're going to work for someone. Then you'll be back an entrepreneur, you're going to work. What? Where did that journey go between doing your own thing and then working for well, I can tell working you now, inside that structure? I can tell you now, I'm definitely not working for anyone else. So, you know, uh, one, of your, <laughs> Ever again. One, one of your questions, uh, I think, was uh, what is, do you consider yourself successful or something like that? I remember you saying it could potentially be a question. And it's like, well, it's to never have to work for anyone ever else again. So I've finally done that. Um, but yeah, so I um, sold cars and then I met these people that I sold it. It's funny, I've actually never applied for a job in my life, um, which is a very weird thing. Um, so I met these people that owned a large IT recruitment and professional services business when I was 20 years old. They said, um, you'd be great at it. Do you know anything about IT? I said, no. <laughs> I didn't barely knew how to use email. Um and, you know, you can make a lot of money. I said, what's a lot of money? You know, they said a couple hundred grand. I'm like, oh, it's a lot. Say no more. Say no more. Yeah. Where do I sign? No, actually, uh, I stayed on. I'm a man that likes to finish things. I was only six months into Toyota then. So I mastered it, then went across. And um, long story short, got into IT recruitment. And then I um, started off as a trainee. And then within two years, I would have been top three in the country. Um, and had a built a business that was doing about 15 million a year in revenue, just my little business within within the business. So they all operated individually. And my biggest client was um, Nokia and Vodafone. Yep. So did really large IT. So going from selling cars to having 110 people working for you, um, you know, working on the the Vodafone network remediation when you couldn't make any calls. And they had, yeah, that was they a, had the Vodafone. That was not good times for Vodafone, was it? <laughs> no, no. But yeah, so I mean, going from that and then, you know, that, that was really exciting and interesting technology and building teams and projects and, and what have you. And then figured out uh, that I wasn't earning enough and left to start my own business. Um, that sort of got me back on the 
on the business path again. And how was that leap for you? Mate, it was actually horrendous. <laughs> Long story cut short, started my own business, um, subsequently got off to a good start, subsequently got um, sued. Can't say too much, under, still, still under deeds of confidentiality and release. Uh, but ultimately probably, you know, I'd say I can't put anything down to the greatest lesson in my life because they all have um, incremental gains and knowledge benefit, but it's definitely... I'd say top five learnings <laughs> of my life. Yeah. Um, I spent several hundred thousand. I may not be degree educated, but I bought myself a legal degree. Yeah. So I'm very well. Yeah. Prepared. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot to it, isn't there? Having gone through yeah. that process, they can be very expensive. Those ones. Oh, mate, it was. Um, I was 25 years old, uh, but mate, it gave me the foundation of where I'm today. To you know, and I actually share that story with a lot of people because you know people ask what mis- it had been a young guy. What mistakes have you made? Yep. They don't think you made that many. Um, you know, but I was essentially getting sued for every single penny that I owned. And not a decent, decent little nest egg at that age. I was always very wise. And yeah, I basically had to start from scratch again and then sort of took a couple of years to reboot. So I actually had a, had a job for a couple of years. Yep. And then that was when I started my property development business. And then so 2015. How did you feel during that period? Like what was that, what was that post? Because I, I was also uh, sued unsuccessfully uh, for the other party. Uh, twice, <laughs> uh, but no one wins in litigation. Nah. That's the that's the reality yeah. of it. Yeah. And there's certainly a big lesson there. How did you feel off the back of that? Uh, does it did you was that a bit of a personal hit? Did you feel a bit oh mate, so a yeah. bit, bit down after that? Was it was, was a bit of a you know, an effort to climb out of that? Yeah, I think it, it's yeah it rattles you. You know, I mean, probably also at that age, right? Like mm. I was 25. Mm. Yeah, you know, and you just everything's going well. Like it's sort of been knocking home run, home run, home run out of the park. You know, I owned, a, I bought my first property. You know, when I was twenty, had a few properties. You know, on Sydney's northern beaches. Let's just say I was doing very well financially. All just going like this, you know, and then boom, boom. You just like literally free falling ten thousand feet and hit the deck. It hurt. Yeah. yeah, it did. It took me literally took me a couple of years to sort of come out of the shell shock. So, to but, speak. But, but you you obviously have that determination. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think um, there's just there's no giving up. I know that you've done a development, so um, you know what it's like. Uh, everything's hard. Everything's hard. I think people go, you know, they oh, and and all out of out of nowhere. Look where he is. It's nothing no. comes out of nowhere. There is no. There is no. Overnight success, whatever it is. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Look at him. He's an overnight success. So, that's know? the thing with development. That people don't appreciate the fine line between it working commercially and not. hundred percent. And and yeah. it's uh it's big it's big chunks of profits and loss too. It's not a fine line which is oh, a couple of hundred, couple of thousand here, a couple of thousand there. And it's it's perilous. And when when you close out a project, it's like a whew, Mate, it's um, yeah. development. I say it's ninety nine percent in the shit, yeah, and one one percent glory. You yeah. know, people always when just see the, the photo shoots at the end, and you know, news articles, and they're like, "Oh wow, it looks amazing!" Yeah. You know, it must have been so enjoyable doing that. Yeah. And, and there's a test of humanity, but the tension between the builder and yourself and everything else that goes on, like it's yeah. real. It's perceived, rightly too, is it's perceived as potentially an easy win. So I think there's a lot of mum and dad, you know, who, who kind of go, "Well, I'm going to become a property developer." as a hobby and then they go to courses and they do they try and subdivide something and and most of the time it ends in tears and i've seen it so many times with with people i know and other people that i've you know, heard about as well that have gone through some element of that it's just as hard as 
having a business that does AI or a business that does, you know, that's a courier business or makes widgets. It doesn't matter. Now, one of the things that I've picked up again through this conversation as you know, Bill and I often see is uh, thematic. It's a thing about someone who's purely an entrepreneur, effectively the widget itself is less important than the actual challenge of trying something new or, or getting out and doing something different. What what keeps you intrinsically motivated? What fuels your fire of, of entrepreneurialism to go from, you know, the very different careers and things, which again is mirroring my journey a lot uh, and probably booze the same. So what is it that, that keeps your fire burning? And, and I'm flying airplanes. I, I, again, 16 years and got a job, get someone's paying your salary to fly. You know, <laughs> But that's because you love something you love to do that. I know, but it's still something you would never have like thought you would actually do. Like 16 years later, you don't, it's just so fucking random. Like <laughs> flying planes again. Yeah. yeah. Well, it just, every step is random. Like there's no way when you were doing your messenger and parcel post stuff that you said, I've got a <laughs> clear line of sight to getting into IT recruitment, automation and AI yeah. in 14 years. That's funny. I was actually, I was, I was speaking to someone this morning that I hadn't spoke to for about 10 years, believe it or not. And um, uh, they go, oh, I can't believe, you know, they've, they've seen Prevenio and they've seen my property business and I like, can't believe where you are. And I said, no, neither can yeah. I. You know, I said, if you asked me for 10 years ago, if I'd be here today, I'd go, <laughs> no, you know. But I think it's just, um, for me, what drives me, I guess it's that constant, for me, it's the, I've need internally um, been sort of from my youth, you know, my childhood um, to be successful. Um, and then as, as I've gotten older, success actually changes as to what successful is. And, you know, my, my drive every day is to just to be the best at what I'd set out to, you know, be the best at, which is property and AI at the moment. <laughs> so I say at the moment because who knows, <laughs> as we just said, who knows what will be happening in 10 years. Yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, so it's just, if you, you know, whatever I'm going to do just to be the best at it. And, you know, success for me now is about having freedom. So I read a book um, as a kid, never read many books, still haven't read many books, read a lot of uh Town planning instruments and contracts. Uh, generally, like Tony. You really. love a contract. I love yeah, a contract. Even coming on the show is all over the I contract. I did actually. <laughs> I actually called him yesterday and I go, "Listen, there's one thing in this contract I've got to scroll out." Mate, clause thirteen A two four nine. I just want to have a chat. I'm like, scrubble that out, mate. Whatever. <laughs> I don't like reading things that make me money or potentially could make me money. Um, I just lost my train of thought. That was really funny. Uh, book, yes, um, was Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Oh uh, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. one that read it really young. That, yeah. Like I would have been like twelve or something. Don't exactly remember what it was about, chapter and verse. I do tell a lot of people to read it, um, but it's you know in essence. Don't spend more than you make and get your money working for you. Yeah. So, you know, for me now, it's making my money work for me um, and also giving me the freedom to do things I want to do. You know, so like this year, I've probably spent 13 weeks, well, not even this year, since June, I've probably spent 13 weeks in Byron. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just whenever I feel like With I need your binoculars. To- <laughs> Chris, where are you? <laughs> um, you know, whenever I feel like I need to get away and recharge, boom, I'm just off. You yeah. know, so having that freedom, and we've got a one year old now, he's one on Sunday, little rough. Um, you know, just being able to just, all right, well, 
I'm not going to go into the office today, which yeah. felt like it. You know, yeah. so for me, it's not about making a billion dollars. Um, it's about you know having freedom, being able to support friends and family, make other people around me successful, and yeah, just make make a difference. And you know, look, I'm not I'm not a humanitarian or Greenpeace, but it's to make a difference in terms of to lift people up around me who could then in turn they might want to go and be a humanitarian, and then they've got the, the means to go be a humanitarian. Yeah, so. no, that's a, it's important, and you can. See See that uh sean that selfless dream yeah. that, that it's, runs it's through part of, success. It's almost part of that ev- the evolution you go through the more so through the selfish piece when you're when you're younger i'm gonna you know take on the world and i'll make more money and do this but what i've seen again as as and having been in you know the business space over 30 years and work with plenty of people and having been had my head up my own rear end for a long time <laughs> too um is you actually yeah you do really see people get to that point where when they've got enough and it doesn't have to be a private jet and seven Ferraris in the garage, but they've got enough to sustain them for the things they want to do, a bit more choice and freedom. It's, it's, it's that thing of, well, what else? If, if, this is, if this is success, then it's not actually yeah, It's meaning, enough. I think, isn't it? It's, it doesn't have the meaning. Yeah. Transition into, into meaning, I think, is a, is a big point. And, and I get a really interesting point you made, and, and I think where the, the 20-something – entrepreneurial bandwagon which seems to be getting more and more momentum for less and less effect is uh, make money to spend money and and obviously that was the opposite to how you your relationship with money oh 100% yeah i mean i was yeah very in my very early 20s earning basically nearly on the way to seven figures a year and we lived in a 47 square meter apartment uh, drove a Corolla with wind down windows, five speed. Did you get that from your Toyota days? No, yourself, no. Negotiate I did it, but I've always, I've always loved Toyota, and I, <laughs> I know that the cost of TCO, to, total cost of ownership, would be very low. So it fitted my financial model. And mate, I, I um, took a pack lunch until I was thirty. That's a to, huge lesson, mate. That's so, that's impactful right there. So I think it's, you know, people spend far this day and age. I mean, it's scary the amount that people spend beyond their means. Yeah. Um, well, the world's engineered for that now, isn't it? Well, it's it, yeah, because I see it on Instagram and they see debt, it on debt, social debt, media. personal loans, yeah. you know. Yeah, afterpay. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. the impact of compounding, as you say. I mean, if you took a packed lunch to you at 30 versus someone going spending 10, 15 bucks a day on lunch and coffees and all other stuff, you add that up over 10 years. That is a substantial amount of money, you know. That oh, 100%. Aren't willing to make the sacrifices that's required to have those little one percent incremental, you know, things. You're putting it away. You're putting a bit away. Putting a bit away to be able to do that. And I, I was, I was crap at that for the first, you know, fifteen years as well. It was just horrendous. Still <laughs> buy too many coffees. <laughs> <laughs> How much of that journey did you did you share with your wife? Uh, mate, a lot. So we've been together since. Um, oh, geez, since I was well, actually, I, I had my twenty first birthday. Yeah, I celebrated that with her. So I've been with her for 13 That's years. That's awesome. And how important is it that you both buy into that as a, yeah, 100%. As a, as a life, yeah. as an ethos? Yeah. Jess is, um, she's super hardworking. Um, she's actually working on an app as we speak. In the, she's a primary school teacher. Um, and she's, so like Jess, for instance, I've been able to, through what we've done, you know, I'll say together, but, you know, ultimately been able to support her now to go build an app that will ultimately change the way that kids learn. Well, you, you made a big decision in terms of where you're going to live based on just getting a job, the job that she wanted Correct. as well, right? So yeah. you, you prioritized 
Yeah, yeah. You built your dream house, didn't you? Didn't you build your dream house? Design and build your dream house. Yeah. And you never lived in it. Yeah, that's basically, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so we, North Bagala, great suburb. Um, great suburb. Hidden gem. Hidden gem. Very, very close to everything. And um, yeah, Jess was, she she went back to uni, become a teacher. I don't know if you've heard, but it's very hard to get a full-time job as a teacher. Oh, absolutely. Um, in an urban environment. sort of. Yeah, in the yeah. city, in the northern beaches. Everyone basically wants to be a school teacher so they can go surf at uh, <laughs> 3.30. Um, and, yeah, she applied at a load of places and then got um, the school, in the Sacred Heart in Motorvale. So then we basically yeah, sold up so she could uh, be down the road from work. <laughs> yeah, so now we live in Motorvale. There not you go. Bug <laughs> I do love Motorvale, but I do curse it when I have to drive to the city. Oh, Oh, man, it's a killer. Oh, mate. COVID, the best thing that happened it was COVID for traffic on the Northern Beach. I know. It was great. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Try, try the Chroma uh, uh, to uh, Nowra commute, mate. Yeah, oh, mate, that'd one. be awful. You'd be getting up at sort of 3.30 and leaving yeah. at 4.30. <laughs> so, yeah. It's yeah. a shocker. It's a shocker. So prop, started property business. You sort of, sort of kicked some goals in the property space, did a lot of things. One of the things that really eggs me on is when people tell you you can't do something and it's actually not possible. Um, I'm kind of, that's a red flag to a bull for me. I love proving people wrong, probably from school when I dropped out, as yeah. they called it, and said I was going to- It's gonna, a good drive. Yeah. The, uh, the fuck you drive. <laughs> yeah, I like, it, it drives me. Um, you know, so people said you can't build a luxury house in three months. We built a luxury house in three months. Yeah, and, wow, that's epic. But yeah, yeah. So um, we can we've got some pretty good records actually now. They um, try and do another one by building an apartment building in under nine months. Yeah, fantastic. So let you know how that goes. I know you've built something pretty quick. It's all about speed. That's speed it. Velocity. Um, that makes a huge difference on your margins, right? Mate, massive. Cost of finance. Yeah. yeah. And also, I've got a been an entrepreneur and squirrel. I've got a short attention span, so if it takes too long, <laughs> I'll lose interest in it. Uh, not at all. Uh, as long as I see it through. Um, Twenty eighteen property market in Sydney was a bit sort of wavy. Um, and we became landlords instead of developers, so we had no turnover. I liken that to, um, you know, eating sarkatar rice crackers. That's when you're <laughs> renting properties and selling properties is Dom Perignon and caviar, <laughs> you know. And I know I'd much prefer Dom Perignon, Dom Perignon and caviar uh, than sarkatar. So I um, thought, righto, haven't started enough businesses. Let's just start another one. Um, so 2018, August, um, started Prevenio. Um and that sort of started as a literally, all right, a bit of a time filler. And fast fast forward on Prevenio, so, you know, we're two years, we're actually three years old this August. Um, we delivered a very large project for one of the large telcos, won't name names because it's just been completed, you know, but we started business, 800K revenue in the first year. And then um, the end of the second year, we did 6.4 million in revenue as a startup. So a big jump there. Um, for, the, and for the benefit of the listeners, what does Prevenio do? So yeah, so Prevenio initially started as a IT professional services business. So, you know, you're running an SAP program, we'll help you out in your SAP program. So we had a bunch of SAP testers on a program for a government body. So you basically go in there and provide an extra set of hands and expertise. Yeah, because consultancy services. They don't want to, they don't want to have the head count 
That's it. That and yeah. you're in, you're yeah. out, go yeah. to the next one. Yeah, you know, yeah. so competing against the big four, right? Yeah. Um, you know, your big consultancies, your Accentures, Deloitte's, PwC's, their tech consultancies. And then, you know, so that sort of started like that. And then our specialization from the past was the telco. You know, I worked in telco, I mentioned with the Vodafone stuff. Um, so then we had this large opportunity. So Prevenio started out as a professional services business uh, where we'd build large teams to deliver programs of work, which we still do today. So now we've separated the brands. We've got Prevenio Peeps. So we were Prevenio Partners, Prevenio People. So it still will do our project services and then Prevenio AI. So how the AI came about, um, we've, uh, the business has one FTE, one full-time employee, <laughs> and we get this project land on our lap in June um, where the business would have to go from one to about 90 people in a month. And there's one FTE. And... We've sat there and gone, how do you do this? How do you go from one to 91? I mean, we're good at what we, we do, but- uh, Not miracles. Not, not miracle workers. <laughs> call it. <laughs> and that's it, call it, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so we, we turned to AI and automation, you know, AI-powered automation as to how could we, you know, take steps out of our traditional process, automate those so we could do- more of the value, you know, the value add processes. Um, and what started there, we we built a little solution for ourselves. Long story short, we did onboard eighty one people in four weeks. Um, pretty much unheard of techies, like you know, propeller head, all this. Um, sitting behind keyboards and whatnot. So it's very hard to do. Um, and then uh, we we got on board with this project. Thought sort of park the AI stuff off to the side. Yeah, whatever. We just, you know, we've always come up with ways to get things done. So we didn't think we had anything. And then, um, so um, one of my business partners, Simon, he he at the time obviously wasn't a business partner, but I said, mate, quit your job, come on board, become a business partner. And then um, another one, Dan, who he was same thing, had a job, said, mate, come on board. So we're all sitting around and uh, COVID hits us. And... We're, we're sitting there with these big growth plans, you know, we've got this big, big business. We've gone from zero to hero, you know, zero to 80 staff. That's a big business, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, in a couple of years, it's huge. Mate, massive. Yeah. And then we're going great. Our world's ending. Um, so we spent lots of, we had a little office overlooking um, Clontarf Marina. Uh, down near the Spit Bridge, if anyone knows that in Sydney. We were sitting in there all through the COVID lockdown, <laughs> the three of us sort of thinking and scheming as to what we do next. And then it just- Good time to negotiate a new commercial lease. It did, it did, yeah, because now we've got very nice premises right in the middle of the city. And yeah, it, it was right there that we um, basically said, hold on a second, we built this solution to help us why don't we help loads of businesses and bring AI to the masses? So then we set about, we built a um, business plan, if you want to call it for a better use of the word. And then we started a, about onboarding the right people into the business. So, you know, we've got a guy, Shri, who's just been actually accepted to the Forbes Technology Council. Um, You're pretty good at building good teams, aren't you? Yes. Like that's pretty big part yeah. of your success. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're only as good as the people around you. Yeah. So uh, I always, you know, every time, so I'm CEO now and I do a lot of the first meetings and whatnot, but I actually say, I'll go get the smart people. Yep. <laughs> I'm not actually the smart person, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, so we um, started about building it, a lot of cash going through iterations where it just doesn't work and doesn't do what we want it to do. And sort of long story short and where we are today, so now we've got the Prevenio, so it's Prevenio AI, Prevenio.ai, that's our website. We've built a AI automation cloud. So ultimately, 
any process, as long as it's replicable and has some scale within a business, we can bring that on board in our platform. Um, we will map your process. We refine your process. We automate it. We train you guys how to use, you know, the user, how to use our platform um, and then starting people on their AI and automation journey. Um, Having worked with you guys for uh, a few months now and working towards a specific outcome you know, with a specific client, what's what I've learned about AI and automation, what's really impressive is is basically if it's mundane and it's done by a person, you can pretty much automate it some way shape or form if it's you know on a on a on a pc device i'm sure there'll be that we've already got ai and automation in mining and trucks and and that sort of stuff but i think that people underestimate how much time and inputs go into their pc or laptop their platforms and and really a lot of the stuff can be taken out of your hands right and uh, and done in an intelligent way 100 percent. we're in this second industrial revolution you know when they when they had blacksmiths uh, to steal meals this is where we are right now in digital space yeah that's it i mean it's across all all industry is gonna see a rapid shift over the next five years um the interesting stat is that you'll have more conversations with ai than you will with your partner in the next five years so <laughs> you won't even know that you're Jess talking. Is looking forward to that mate, yeah. no doubt. <laughs> you won't even know you're talking to ai so uh, and what what motivates me about you know prevenio and ai and what we're doing is it's allowing humans to go and do more meaningful stuff, yeah, right. Um, that must be a challenge, though, when you look at how the world works and how globalization works. That's a, I mean, it's there's a big uplift in humanity that you would hope coexists with that in terms of. You know, we we just had a podcast uh, earlier where uh, Andrew McLeod he spends his time in the environments, which is low socioeconomic offshoring that that sort of stuff. So you know, you would hope that along with this, there's a there's a broad range of solutions that come with it and that we do see this big lift in in capability in, in some of the poorer areas yeah look i think it's i mean that's a that's a deep topic that i actually don't think i'm qualified to talk about but you know <laughs> i'd say that you know, a lot of people the, would feel threatened by it though. 100 percent. not not and they would and, see it that that's my job 100 percent. and i think it's one of these things that it will flow and have benefit in so many different ways that people can't quite grasp at the moment for instance you know in terms of lower cost of delivery it will bring things to reach of people that couldn't have had them before in, in terms of health benefits yeah, once it well. starts to get into medicine once you start what well, is in medicine so yeah. i mean you know um a company probably is i'm just centering what i'm saying in essence sorry that was really bad you might have to edit that <laughs> <laughs> in essence technology today with ai can do a far better job reading a radiology scan than a radiologist can and will pick up things radiologists miss so i mean that in itself the fact that you could have extra Ray's done without having to have staff qualified that flowing through to third world countries yeah, that don't have a diagnosis exactly yeah. so i mean the amount of benefits i think the amount of benefits will far outweigh and i mean people could be sitting here today and say oh it's going to take my job and you know the blacksmith probably thought that um, but look where we are today as a society so i do think overall it will i, I definitely right, see it in that, the with that change in sorry with that change in um uh, changing of the guard back then, it said the blacksmith or the you know the person who would hand sew something or use a sewing machine with their feet. You know, compared to giant machines that now spit out thousands of times the same amount of you know stuff that they ever could. Is that if you have a look back, we can see what we're likely to see forward, which is they didn't know what was coming, but there was always another opportunity for someone to step into. It's about and particularly now, I think as you know, human beings, we need to be more adaptable than ever before because change is happening so much more rapidly. Yeah, 100%.
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think in the performance space with this technology, you really see how you connect the future and the past. Uh, I think one of the one of the areas we've been exploring with with you guys is the ability to to delve back like ten years of history of an organisation and all the things they've learned along the way and capture that in a proactive learning database. So when you're looking to to move forward, you've got an initiative. The AI can say. Hey, you tried this before. That's right. And, yeah. and here's a couple of pathways that you took. I think this this one worked as far as I can recall looking back into the data set. This one didn't. So you can accelerate innovation and accelerate the forward motion of everything that you do. Yeah, definitely. Because it's hard to, you know, our memories don't work that well. And we always tend to remember things better or worse than they actually were. <laughs> Whereas, <laughs> the, the, the brain, that's a whole other topic. But yeah. yes, the brain does trick Whereas itself. Whereas AI, AI is kind of logical, right? It just looks at the facts. Look, that's it. It won't It won't lie to you. Um, it, it doesn't steal, doesn't take smoke breaks, doesn't uh, email its friends. You know, it's just simply there to do whatever purpose you've set it up to but do. But didn't Facebook's AI just disappear on a bit of a tangent? Didn't it start to go a little bit rogue? Little bit well, quiet? look, yeah, I guess there does come the complexity that humans do build the AI. So, um, you know, but but I suppose if you got the right ethical frameworks in place. No surprise that it was Facebook's AI then that went rogue. Well, yeah, that's a whole, the Facebook's a whole other topic. <laughs> there's, a thing that we, there's a thing we talk about with um, with our business owners in, in our uh, inner circle group. And um, the same thing, when you're a business owner, you've got to focus on the, the $500 an hour value tasks and not the $25 an hour ones. And what I like about even just technology and, and automation where, you know, you, you have your automation systems and systems connected together by Zapier and other you know, APIs and things that the amount of time it actually saves already in those processes, but, but adding that other layer of artificial intelligence to intelligently respond and, and uh, help to save the time for your team. It's lifting you, as you said, your team members have a chance in a business now to work on things more meaningful, more valuable. So their, their ROI for their hourly rate is going to be higher because they're not doing stuff that's technically just, you know, tapping away on a keyboard that if we can get technology and AI or when we get it to cover that off, it's, it's going to be a lot more enjoyable as well. And it's one thing that I've seen too is, is that as the lower level tasks drop away and the systems and processes start to take over it, that people do find a lot more enjoyment in what they do in the workplace. Yeah, definitely. Can it clean, clean my house? Mate, well, we've actually got a robot at the office that cleans our office. Yeah, so. that's, <laughs> that's when it really starts to get interesting. <laughs> yeah, look, I think you, you bang on, Sean, and it's, um, you know, uh, the automation piece is great. There's a lot of automation out there, and I think it's the real smarts is when you overlay AI on your automation, it's just that extra level above and where you really start to get the value. And there's a lot of, one of the things that really motivates us is there's a lot of smaller businesses out there that don't have big IT teams, um, you know, don't have millions and millions of dollars. Are they going to get left behind? In a way, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, they will. I mean, if you don't have them, if you don't get on board with AI, you will get left behind, you know, and that's what we set out to achieve. We wanted to take people on the AI journey in a more cost-effective adoption platform. So that's what we've done. You know, like we, we started, um, it's 2,000, 4,000 and 6,000 a month, small, medium or large, depending how big the process is in the business. But to give you an idea, you know, a $2,000 process could free up the capacity for three people doing something in your business. That's huge. Yeah. So if you imagine, I'll spend, hold on, what, $2,000 a month for this platform and it's going to free up three of my staff. What else could I do with three staff. And if you got staff in Sydney, you're probably spending at least 200 grand a year to 
half a million dollars a year on on that. Um, so, you know, we wanted to build something that will allow people. We're at that juncture right now, if everyone remembers cloud, um, every, you know, everyone now is in the cloud, but before everyone was like, what's the cloud? I know I want the cloud, but how do I get the cloud? You know, so now it's like, I know I want AI, but it's big and expensive. How do I get it? You know, so we just thought let's capitalize on that and make it easier for people to get on board. So that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an issue with any form of innovation and a, and a big topic because whilst AI can be focused, it's quite broad. I mean, it's you're talking about collective human consciousness and intelligence in a machine, which is a pretty big topic. Yeah, it's very broad. I mean, geez, AI is, um, yeah, I mean, the use cases for AI, there'd be, you know, we, we have over 500 within our business, but you could, there'd be thousands of them. But your, 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 where your application is, is, is pretty much automating mundane, repetitive tasks, doing yep. it in a much smarter way. Yep, that's it. Yep, yep. yep. So, you know, there's something as simple as accounts payable through to updating a project schedule that gets updated every Monday by 20 team members. You know, well, those 20 team members don't need to spend that hour every day or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's it's connect, the broad, hence why we sort of got the three levels, but, you know, you could build a really, my dream would be never have to email anyone ever again, you know. So or we, receive one. <laughs> or receive one. So, we, you know, I mean, we've got NLP, which is natural language programming. You know, we've got NLP capability where, you know, you can actually train your system you know, I could. You think I'm emailing you, but it's not. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> basically. Now it's all Don't fun. worry, I, I, done, Adam. I, I am emailing you. <laughs> <laughs> hence why the slow. Hence why the slow response yes. sponsors sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, if it comes back too quick, you know, it's probably AI. Yeah, <laughs> but syntax so, error. Yeah, um, <laughs> if the response. <laughs> So it's, it's definitely an interesting space, uh, the AI space and, and where technology is taking us. And it's going to be um, amazing to see what happens over the next five to 10 years. So by the sounds of things, you know, you had a fairly uh, wise head on your shoulders at a very young age, but um, I'm sure as you've done it in your journey, like, uh, like all of us, you've learned something along the way. What would you go back and tell maybe that eight, 10, 12 year old version of yourself? What would you go and teach yourself? I would actually go back and say, it isn't going to be as quick as you think. <laughs> That's very wise. That's, that is great advice, actually. Yeah. Actually, that literally just came to me then because I've been trying to, you know, I've been trying to think about that. And I'm like, literally, you know, you always think it's going to be, you just got to be prepared to keep pushing. You know, I've actually got a poster in my, um, it, my wife dug it out actually she's very loving uh from my year five or year four teacher and it's um perseverance and it's a picture of a person paddling you know up <laughs> upstream so it's yeah that that would definitely be it you know it isn't going to be as quick as you think and it's going to be a hell of a lot harder than you think Mate, that's it's sage advice and again just the recurring theme of persistence in in any entrepreneurial enterprise you know and there's dark there's dark days sometimes with, oh. with, you're you're carrying a lot the balance between existing and growth and not diluting the same your, your, your equity there's so many moving parts yeah. When you're when you're an entrepreneur, and any one decision can kind of be the thread that unpulls the whole ball, isn't it? So, now that's awesome, mate. Thanks so much, Lucas, for Pleasure. coming to the podcast today. I think we've yeah, got lovely. Good to chat to you. Huge amount of value from that. And, and as AI evolves, mate, we'll enjoy having you back here again. Yeah, it'd be lovely. And see yeah. how that journey, uh, how that journey um, continues in uh, in this amazing, ridiculously huge digital world that we're all part of. Absolutely. Now, thank you, Lucas. Really appreciate you taking the time. Good to chat to you, Sean. Thanks, Boo. Cool. We'll just get the robots to uh, turn the turn the uh, podcast off now. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
This has been The View Podcast with Boo and Sean. If you've got value from this episode and you would like to support us, please share it with your friends. If you're posting this on social media, use the hashtag The Few so we can see who's listening. The View Podcast is recorded at Momentum Media in Sydney, Australia. To listen to more episodes, visit us at viewpodcast.com and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Dream big, keep pushing, and one day you can become one of The Few. We'll see you next week.